0: Hello bollockers and welcome to an extra podcast, uh, bollocast even. Um, hello uh, Howard H Smith, Yada yada yada. all the usual, um, it's an extra so I'm not going to do all that rubbish as I normally do. Um, I am recording this, um, on a, I'm, I tell you I'm hard at work here, it is, it is not even 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning and I am up and Adam. Uh, at HHQ, at Talking Bollocks Towers, um, putting some uh, Bolo casts together for you. Um, I'm going to be putting another special together right on, hard on the heels of this one. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm staying busy right now and hopefully keeping all of your ears occupied. Um, so, as uh, as a, a lot of you know, who uh, who are familiar with the specials, I haven't done one, done one for a while, so um, uh, two to be coming out all of a sudden is, uh, is pretty cool, if you ask me. Um, yeah, basically, uh, I I don't really do a, a load of jibber jabber on these because um, it's all about it's all about the special, it's all about the subject. So let's get straight into the subject. Um, the uh, there is a book contract in blood, um, and there is a five CD uh, box set contract in blood, and it is the entire history of UK thrash. Let's face it, if you've got this far, you already know that. Um, I mean, it's a mighty book. It's a 700 page tome um, and um, it's absolutely fantastic work by Ian Glasper, apart from him mistakenly dropping acid rain out of the big four and putting uh, slammer in. But hey, that's just me. Um, oh, That's pretty much a fact. But uh, <laughs> you'll uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about this. We talk about this. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great to talk to Ian. He uh, he came and interviewed me for for the acid rain section of the book. Um, on our on our first headline tour, which was April two thousand and seventeen, we had a right old chat in um, in Bristol. Um, and this time, it was my turn my turn to ring him up and have a right old chat all about the book. Uh, well, all about the book, all about the scenes. I mean, it's there's so much work gone into this. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and um, I have um, I, I have given away a. Uh, a a box set that I had, Um, put a little competition out there for you guys and uh, and there is a winner not being announced on this particular um, Bollocast but they will be um, uh, announced on the main Bollocast for July. Um, Anyway, I guess really that's all that needs saying, apart from it was really good to to catch up with him and um, uh, what follows is the chat Uh, and uh, yeah it's mainly about UK Thrash but yeah yeah look, you know what i'm like we we we're we're all over the map at some points but um but we we, we try and keep it fairly uk because i mean you know look ian um has uh, uh has played and is playing in uh, in significant bands um uh, in the scene so we do we do get to talking about you know stuff like that um but anyway without further ado here is the th- 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 what what can i call him the the UK thrash historian, the number one UK thrash historian, I think pretty much, without a doubt, it is the one, the only, Ian Glasper. Hello. Hello, can I speak to Ian, please? Hiya, hey, how are you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm alright, how are you? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks. My speech at
1: last, we've been... Yeah. Ducking and ducking and missing each other a bit, haven't we?
0: I, t- I, I I tell you what there there is there is um there is way more successful people that are a lot less busier than you and I. <laughs> yeah, that's true enough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am recording straight away because that's how I roll. Just to let you know. Okay. Okay. Good. So it's all on the record from here on out.
1: Right. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, watch me now. <laughs> uh, oh oh! Don't. there's any one of us needs to watch their mouth as you well know, and it ain't you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's it's nice to um, it's nice to catch up again actually because last time I saw you was um, uh, the Bristol show, um, which That's was right. April. Well, April we did the interview, yeah. Yeah, April twenty seventeen. Wow. Right, okay. I That's know. ago, okay. time flies. Doesn't it just? Doesn't it just? And how far through the book were you at that point?
1: Uh, I was about six months into writing it, I think probably 10 months in from, you know, concept knowing I was going to be doing it. So um, I had a fair bit of it mapped out by the time I sat down with yourself and I sort of had the had the sort of interview strategy pretty much, you know, I'd, I'd probably done sort of 20 or 30 by then, so I hopefully... Right. It wasn't too rambling
0: and inane an interview. <laughs> oh, oh, mate! There's I, I, again. I refer you to my previous statement. Only one of us needs to worry about <laughs> rambling and being inane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, not at all. It was. Um, it, it was. I, it was cool because I. I mean, you get a lot of questions, which is just like so. You know, um, you used to be around, and and you know. Now you've come back, and it's just yeah. the same old, yeah, the same old questions. Or people know, you know, fuck all about the history or whatever. But you're, it's a long time since I've done an interview that was purely about the past. Right, right, okay. So, um, so no, it was actually it was, quite fun to go down memory lane with you.
1: And it was great to catch up. I mean, I did some of the obviously we were like two hundred interviewees. I couldn't do everything face to face, so I did a few by Skype and phone, but quite a lot by email. Probably only about two dozen face to face, and the the face to face ones are the ones I enjoy because you you know you can really you know interact properly with the you know with the person you're interviewing you know and it, it's very immediate, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Said the two people who basically have just slagged off the quality of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I know what you mean. It, well, let's, you know, a, a good interview should really just be a conversation, shouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and yeah. um, and I very much, I very much, I'm going to start off by kicking, kissing your ass. Um, yeah, it, it, I very much felt like it was a conversation and we just kind of like, you know, when there was a question, it kind of rolled into another question. And also, I, I am apt to give long rambling answers that sometimes sometimes can tread on a question that was going to be asked later anyway um yeah but, no,
1: it's good i mean it's great if you get somebody who wants to talk because i mean you do you do do interviews where you ask someone a long question really in depth and they'll say no i don't think so <laughs> yeah yeah So sort of just you know brick wall brings everything to a grind into a halt. i
0: i know i know what you mean i know what you mean but having said that i um uh, I I do get a sometimes get a little bit ratty with uh, closed questions. Do you know what I mean? With a, where yeah, the question yeah. can just be answered yes or no. Because and yeah, and in, in in this age of um, unlike yourself, a lot of people doing interviews are not you know don't necessarily have a background in doing interviews. Don't have any journalism skills or anything like that. And and when it's all closed questions, it can be really painful because you you end up really. Like having to do all of the work because there's, yes. you know, as opposed to sitting there and going yes, no, yes, no, because then you do look like a cunt. <laughs> um, yeah. Well,
2: especially when people read it back.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I listened to an interview uh, that Bruce Dickinson did, um, and uh, uh, on a podcast with Eddie Trunk, and Eddie Trunk asked two or three closed questions at the beginning, and Bruce just said yes, no, yes. And after about the fourth question, he realised he wasn't going to get anything other than close questions. So yeah. he so he might have to expand his answers a bit. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so are you pleased with the new
0: book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did you enjoy meeting H from Acid Rain? No, I was a cunt to him. Um, <laughs> he was as well. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, well, look, you, you knew this was coming. You knew this was coming. Um, uh, of course, there's, you know, it's, you start off. You've got the, you've got the UK thrash big four, which, as everybody knows, is Onslaught, Sabbath, Acid Rain, and Centrics. Um, yeah. And, and you know, the gener- the generally, the generally accepted. I mean, you know, it's, it's that. That I would say it's probably as accepted as the American big four. But sometimes, some people have, I don't know, a brain fart or something like that. <laughs> And do uh, yeah, put big four and let's put big five. <laughs> I, I, oh, man, I, I absolutely howled when I read that. I really <laughs> no, did. did. I really did. I was like, fucking hell, our support bands are making it into, into the big four and we're not. <laughs> um, it, would, I, no, it, it did crack me up. Um, for those of you listening who don't know, uh, Ian put that the big four was uh, Onslaught, Sabbath, Zentrix and Slammer, which, of course, as we all know, it isn't um but uh but but again that it's it's music isn't it it's kind of like uh it, it's just it's it's objectivity that is you know that leads to well they're my big four or that's what you know that's what someone someone else may think but this is what I think and and ultimately it's your book and all your hard work so you know you're you're entitled to be wrong yes yeah <laughs> and
1: I, I have issued a full and formal apology on the Support UK Trash Metal Facebook page. <laughs> no, you haven't. No, I haven't. No, you missed it.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I look, I, I look forward. It's funny you should bring that up. It's very good of you to bring that up, and I look forward to reading it either yes, later yes. tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was really cool. The um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, w- without going on about this, but the the, the poll you did, which of course uh, you know had us in third. Um, was really cool because it was because that again was was really odd because like sacrilege were in there, weren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, those sort of polls where you ask for people's opinion online, um, <laughs> they throw up some really interesting and unexpected, like because I think every you know, everybody has jumped into the conclusion. I think that you know, where I think I can't remember who came in who, who went in really early, like a vial came in at sort of. Seven or eight, and everybody was like gobsmacked and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, it's just it's good, and I you know and I genuinely didn't rig any of those results. It was literally <laughs> just just came came to me. Um, but yeah, you know, sacrilege in there, and of course you then get people saying they're not a thrash band, they're yeah. a doom band, or yeah,
0: yeah, and you a have
1: metal band,
0: and you have Ve- and you have venom in there, which a lot of people are going, well, hang on, they've got an album called black metal. They, yes. they sing about Satan, they're not a thrash band, not many of their songs are fast.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and, um, and I mean, uh, I must admit, when I was thinking about Venom, I was umming and ahhing about putting them in the book, um, until about halfway through the interviews, and I think virtually everybody had said that Venom were an influence on them. Um, you know, and as a big influence on Metallic, I suppose, who were, you know, arguably you know, sort of created the flash sort of, um I thought I'd put him in there, you know, and I'm glad I did because, you know, Tony gave such a great interview, it was really, really amusing. I yeah. sort around the whole thing, but it has been like the whole book.
0: So. Oh, yeah, no, Tony, Tony's, um, Tony's an absolute star. He really is. Um, once we finish the interview, I'll tell you the story of how, I'm, how I first ever met him. I'm not going to do it on the oh, podcast because okay. they're sick of hearing it. But um, oh, right. yeah, but I'll tell you how I met him, and uh, it's 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 absolutely classic. I still have that hold on him today. If 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 it ever gets brought up, he just he just leaves the fucking room. Right. <laughs> um, well, okay. I look forward
1: to that
0: one. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, how do I, I? I know this is a it's a shit question. So apologies, but how did it actually all come about? How did you know the the book, the CD package, everything else? Did you come up with the concept and? And sort of pitch it to a you know, to a publisher to, to to you know, to the record company. How how did the whole thing take shape?
1: Well, I I just finished the fourth book about UK punk and hardcore. Um so I did Burn in Britain, um The Daily the Country Died Trapped in the Scene, and then Armed with Anger. And I was thinking, so what's next? You know, i I'd done the nineties, was I gonna do sort of post millennium punk in the UK? I don't know, it, was, it all seemed a bit too soon after the event, and I yeah. hit on the idea that I wanted to do this book on UK, Flash Metal. Um, it didn't seem that far removed from the hardcore and punk scenes, to be honest, in that it was underground and noisy and fast and rebellious and tape yeah. trading in and fanzines and the whole thing. So I started sort of putting the theme as a, um, and this was probably like five or six years ago, and then I found out that Greg Moffitt was doing this book, um, to tie in with this a history of a time to come yeah. film that Josh was doing and Greg was going to call his book One Put in the Gravy, which was named after an article on UK Thrash that he'd written for Terrorizer magazine Yeah. anyway, I didn't want to step on Greg's toes and I figured that the world didn't need two books on UK Thrash Metal, so I, I sort of backed off the project um, but I kept in touch with him, I kept sort of hassling him, how's it going, how's it going, you know sort of dropping hints that I was still waiting in the wings if he you know if he if he passed me the baton or sort of fumbled the ball or whatever. Um and after about two or three years he said, you know what, I don't think I'm gonna get this finished. Um so he passed me all his research. Um and I, I started from scratch again then with, with the writing, but I did utilise, you know, some of the flyers and some of the stuff he'd sent me. Um mm-hmm. so that's when I started actually writing so that was pretty much two years to the month before it came out before it came to fruition Right and it was Cherry Red that said look you know they they like to do um, sort of box sets and compilations and stuff to tie in you know so there's a bit of cross promotion between formats and stuff and um, I said well let's do a do a hundred you know we'll put a hundred bands in the book and to start with they're like you'll never find a hundred UK thrash bands <laughs> and I did it, did it pretty easily, actually. I was going to say, uh, little,
0: little did they know what they should have been saying is, you'll never keep it down to just a hundred.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then we and then we we were looking at you know a hundred bands in the box set, but um, we decided we're going to limit it to to five CDs. You know, there, there's various sort of cut off points where things, you know, it's going to be too expensive to. You know, to produce and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so and and we couldn't we couldn't fit them on, but we contacted every band, and there were some licensing issues, and we couldn't get some bands. And other bands, you know, just didn't get back to us in time. But we still filled the CDs. And you know, with hindsight, you know, you always think, right? Yeah, it's ninety five percent there, and I wish we'd got that band in and that band, and then I'd been completely happy with it. But you've got to put a deadline and a cut off, else the project just drags on and on and on. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm chuffed a bit, and so I think it's, you know, easily the most definitive account of, of that sort of scene and period.
0: Oh God, it, without a doubt. I think, um, uh, that, I mean the, the CD package is awesome. I'm giving away one in a, a competition on the podcast this month, um, oh, uh, you know, and, uh, as a little bit of a teaser for, um, for, for when this goes out. Um, and, um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking incredible. I mean, I thought, I thought I knew pretty much, you know, what was going on in the scene, and I, and I, I you know, I do know. I, I, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm very familiar with, but also I, I, I learned quite a bit, and I was, um, uh, considering I was right in the middle of it. I think I, I kind of, you get lost in your experience and the bands that you interact with and the bands that send you yeah. demos and stuff like that. Um And then, but, but it, it was just the uh, yeah, just the volume about bands. Uh, let's pluck a band out of the air, Reactor. You know, yeah, from yeah. from from back in the day. I I remember them sending me tapes. Because um, as soon, of course, as soon as it got out that we'd given uh Reanimators demo to music uh, to Music for Nations, and they signed them for Under One Flag. You know that was that was it. We were getting more tapes. Everyone the fucking, sending me demos. Yeah, we we're getting more tapes <laughs> than the fucking label. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> But um, still, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's insane. But it was great because it it really did. It took me back to my uh, to my teenage years. Um, I mean, I was a you know, I was a keen tape trader. um, And I think it's it's really people do. I I think people don't realise how similar that that scene was to punk, as you rightly pointed out, because tape trading was a massive thing.
1: Yeah, and I think it, you know, it's that, you know, that sort of underground, underdog sort of thing. Because I was very much in, into punk, and, and and you know, I think probably the first thrash demo I got, and I didn't even realise it was thrash at the time, was you know one of the early onslaught tapes. Because um, I was I was going to Bristol gigs and seeing them support punk bands, and one minute they send a like Discharge, and then they. And then they, you know, their songs started getting longer, and the solos getting slightly more intricate. And you know, before you knew it, they, you know, they were full-blown Satanists and releasing power from hell. <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a, it was a great time to be a teenager, like you said. I mean, it was a really exciting a, a really exciting time. You know,
0: um, well, also, I think for me, I think. Uh, we, you know, UK thrash was always the poor relation to, to pretty much wherever you came from in Europe, um, and obviously the states as well. Because um, up until that point, you know, Britain, if you like, had led the way. we in in metal, and all of a sudden, thrash and to a and, and I think to a lesser extent hair metal. Suddenly, or maybe well, no, just as big an extent, but all of a sudden, thrash and hair metal came from the states and were fucking huge and it's pretty much it's pretty much been the same since that you know we were still in the early days of metal back then um and then all of a sudden this kind of wave came over from the states of of metal bands um and you know germany had this huge had this huge explosion with you know destruction sodom creator um i say Voivod, but they're not german um (laughs) and and UK <laughs> yeah yeah but UK Thrash just seemed to sort of pretty much get consigned to the dustbin by a lot of people at the time and the point i'm making is here is that all these years later we've come you know i've i've noticed this since we've come back it, it it's just like you know it's a global thing it's it's it, you know over the years while it went away it's um it's it's really kind of i think people look back at it and go hey this this stuff was pretty fucking cool for the time
1: and I, I, I think that was one of the things that attracted me to the book I think I say various places in there that you know I love a good underdog story and I always thought those those UK bands were short changed and you know I think we all know that you know that you know some of them were derivative some of them were really badly produced you know and, and the equipment that they were recorded on was you know just dog shit compared to what some of the Bay Area guys were using and stuff but you know, putting all that to one side. I mean, there were some great riffs and great songs, and it, 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 there was a lot of promise there as well. And um, I just wanted to make sure that those bands got documented and got the kudos they deserved, even if it is 20 years after after they split up, really. Because I didn't think anyone else was going to do it, and that's why it's such a big book. You know, if if you're going to if you're going to write a document about that period, you know, sort of make it the you know the last word on it.
0: Yeah absolutely i mean now that's there i can't see anybody going oh i'm going to write a book on uk thrash because it's like where well, you better you better find you better find one hell of a fucking angle because um, it's it's pretty much covered in here i mean fucking hell you've got some stuff on there that has like really made the cobwebs in my brain get brushed away um and and cuz we we played with tons of bands back in the day that you know you you come into town, you play with them, you know, they're third on the bill, they play with you once, you never hear or see of them again. But all of a sudden, they're, they're in this book and I'm going, fucking hell, I remember playing with them. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, I think you guys, you guys were definitely,
1: you know, in the thick of it, near the centre of the cobweb because a lot of bands mention, oh, you know, we supported them when they came through or, you know, like you said, we gave them their tape and they got a sign, Um So yeah, yeah, you're definitely part of the glue that you know, that held it all together. And that's you know, and that's why I like to put in all those bands that did only did do those demos, if you know what I mean, because those regional those regional bands were an important part of the fabric and and the tapestry of the whole thing and I think you've got to look at it holistically and see see the whole thing rather than you know, boil it down to just two or
0: three bands and do everybody else this horrible injustice. I I, I completely agree, and 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 have to rewind and say thank you very much for your uh, for your comments earlier in that statement. And I um. I'm uh, that's that's really nice to hear because uh, I I remember we used to get I used to get you know thrash bands sending us their demo you know sending their their demos they get forwarded by the the, um, the label because they'd be addressed to me and then I'd be sending them back to the fucking label <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, or some had my address from the Mosginstein demo and and send stuff you know send stuff through there um, or we'd you know a gig you know supports that give you a demo table. and I've always made a point of making sure that those demos got to the label because A, you know, we, we weren't, you know, we, we were unsigned once. Um, and, and B um, it worked once with reanimator, you know, and, and, and it, it, it was, it was just a case of like, everybody deserves a shot. And when you've, you know, when you're, when you're kind of, when you're that age and you're part, part of a scene that is kind of like, we're all just relying on each other, really. So um, which people will find hard to believe if, you, you know, uh, listening to this, if you if you're born in the age of social media or, you know, you've grown up with it, that it was such a small thing. You know, each band was so dependent on the next band and the next band. I mean, I, I did an interview with Jason from from Acker Cocker, and he was saying that um, they him him and the um, him and the drummer came to see his support Flotsam Jetsam. And they were like, you know, they, they, they had the album, they came to see us and they loved it. And they were like, it kind of gave them a kick to go, do you know what, if, if you know, it, 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 there's a British band doing it, if they can do it, we can do it. And yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the first time ever, and probably the last, that I'll ever be a role model for anyone. Um, <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think people,
1: um, you know, if you roll into town and you've just been signed, you know, and you're from just up the road, you know, people, it does inspire people to to form that band that they've been talking about forming and do that fanzine that they've been meaning to do, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and we, everybody was in it together, you know, and, and a lot of those bands, it was like, you know, sort of doing exchange gigs, you know, you, you book us and we'll book you. And
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We You, you support yeah. us and we'll support you. Yeah, and wearing each other's t-shirts and you know
1: everything yeah, yeah. like that. It was you know because I used to get into bands just by spotting their t-shirt being worn by a band that I liked, and you 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 know you check them out, and you couldn't just Google them up back then. You know you had to you know you had to dig out an address, you had to send away for something, you had to you know get someone to tape it for you. It was it was kind of hard work, but it was you know it made it certainly made it special when you found something that was really. You know, really exciting to
0: listen to. Well, you've just you've just reminded me actually. Oh god, my more cobwebs falling away. Um, <sighs> on the on, on the first tour we did with Zentrix, I mean the 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 love from the crowd after each gig was fucking insane. You know, people coming up with tears in their eyes, saying, you know, you made me feel like a teenager again. Thanks so much for doing this. And I'm like, why do you think I'm fucking doing it? Makes me feel like a teenager again as well, you know. This is this is not altruistic. I did not I did not sit at home and think, I want to make a load of people really happy. Yeah, um, I
1: needed
0: to do it. Yeah, but um, somebody came up to me and said, um, you know, the, the usual, do you remember me? Of course, the answer is nine times out of ten. Of course, I don't. Um, yeah. but, but sometimes people will explain it, and I do remember them. And this guy um, was in a band. They supported us when we played in Wales sometime. Um, he gave me their demo, I forwarded it to um, uh, Music for Nations, they got a rejection letter and he said, that rejection letter is signed and in my office at work. Brilliant. <laughs> and he said, says, he says, it's one of my proudest possessions, you know, and I was like, dude, that's fucking awesome, you know, that is, that is, and, and that kind of, you know, it just that, that, that sums, sums the UK thrash scene up as a whole really.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, and that's why I I think it's hard to distinguish where the the Flash scene and and the punk scene started and ended because band members were doing really similar things. They were sneaking underage people into gigs through the fire door. Did that, yeah. You know, and it was all that kind of thing. And and it's those little stories I like to put in the book. So you get all the usual stuff, you know, this demo was recorded on that date at this studio by this guy, you know. But it's the, you know, the real memories and stuff that I think bring it to life. So it's a case of like half historical reference document, um, you know, and half this sort of, you know, crawling down memory lane for everybody.
0: To to quote Atheist, um, it is a piece of time.
1: It is, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it is. A moment every time.
0: And um, and funnily enough, yeah, I, I I remember you know had people posted on Facebook saying, oh, I was too young to get in at the Preston show on the Nuclear Assault tour, um, but you guys like got us into the venue. Play, um, we were in for sound check. You gave us pics, We got to meet Nuclear Assault, you know, and you introduced and and we you know we weren't able to keep them in the venue because it was a you know real posh heavy security venue. Um, and they were like, oh, you know, you guys were really sound. That was great. You know, that, that, that was, that made my, you know, that made my year or whatever. And for people, A, to still be able to remember that is just so cool. But the thing is, it's like, and it's great because you think, wow, we were quite cool back in the day. Um, <laughs> we did, we did some nice stuff, but also, you know, we'd have been, uh, well, uh, 18 years old on that tour. So, yeah, so you can
1: empathise with the young kids. Yeah,
0: ab- it, so absolutely. Because, you know, uh, you know, the year previously couldn't get into couldn't get into our, you know, my local pub. So yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like, you know, and also I think um, uh, there was a, um, there, there was, there was, there was, there was a, just such a a kind of, what's the word? A passion. It, the whole thing was just so new. And, and and to pick up on something you were saying as well about you know the the, the cross with the punk scene, our, our second ever gig was um, supporting um, uh, Sabbath in um, the Clubfoot in Clarendon, which is a fucking punk I, venue. Yes,
1: yeah, of course it was. Yeah, you used to see all the punk bands listed in there, and the the gig pages are saying every week.
0: Yeah, I mean it was it was so it was so early doors that venues didn't know what to do with this kind of music, you know, and, and, uh, played, played Club Foot with death angel as well. And then when they came back, they played the Astoria. And I, 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 I think, I think I wouldn't swear to it, but I think death angel might've been the first band to the first thrash band to have played the Astoria because that then set the ball rolling for countless awesome nights, um, at, at London Astoria. Um, Hey, there's it. There's a book for you, mate. Venues, venues that have yeah, gone. Yeah. God, I well, mean I that. Just, that. But, sorry, go
1: on. I was going to say write a whole book about the the mermaid in Birmingham from a from a UK punk and hardcore perspective. But a lot of thrash bands went through there as well, so it wasn't you know. And a lot of trash bands went through the 100 Club. You know, I think the English yeah. Dogs cut their teeth. You know, with virtually a, a sort of residency at the 100 Club
0: the Duchess of York in Leeds, everyone yeah. played there. I mean, I've got a flyer from there now. And and then there's there's uh, Blur are on this uh, uh, playing the, the same month we were. Wow. I know, it's fucking insane. But the names on there, the stupids and, uh, you know, all these blasts from the past. Um, Dumpy's Rusty Nuts, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: it, we're such a small island and we're on top of everybody, aren't we? You know, we're all on top of each other. And... Uh, you know, I think um, that's why, you know, in, in my own town when I was growing up, you know, the sort of, yeah, there was a bit of tension, but the, the punks got on with the metalheads, who got on with the skinheads, who got on with the mods, you know, and, it, it, you know, it was, everybody was in it together, really. Uh, um, I,
0: was, I was up north, mate. It was very much... The 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 punks the skins all got on, but if you were into if if you were into hair metal you were tolerated, and if you were a mod you actually had your head kicked in. <laughs> and to be <laughs> yeah, f- mo- yeah to be fair the, the mods the mods did return the compliment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah we, we were um, we used to get sort of chased chased out a time where the more than mods you actually know, go back the following week slightly more more handed you know, and maybe even more mob-handed and chase your attain again. But
0: a... yeah, I, I I remember we converted one. We managed to win one over from the mods who be and who became a metaler, um, and uh, and we and, and it was great. But we used to mercilessly rip the piss out of him about like, oh, where are you going tonight? Are you going out hippie bashing? You know, because yeah. 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 that's what we all. You. Sorry, go on. Do I know you first. I was going to say because that's what we up north. That's what we were all called hippies. It's like the mods. Oh, the mods called us hippies because we had long hair. That was their only just kind of cultural right, reference. Because you had long hair. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I mean it's ironic now, but you know some of my favourite bands are bands like you know the Jam and Secret Affair, and you sort of appreciate stuff on it, you know, at face value years later. Yeah. So, you know, no, you know, not just because you know they've got a Parker on with a with an hour's, Painted on
0: it. <laughs> yeah. So did you, um, uh, is, there, is there anybody that you really wish you could have got for the book that that you missed out on that you weren't able to get?
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I desperately wanted to interview Martin from from Sabat and I, I don't quite know why it didn't happen. We kept trying to line it up. Um, I really wanted to interview a uh, band. I think it's said like this: Zyster, Zyster, Zyster from Warrenton. Um, could, just couldn't track them down. Um, couldn't get hold of them. Energetic Crusher, another band I really wanted. To oh get God, there's man. a name. Got got hold of all four of those those guys, and um, you know, I think sometimes it's just apathy of some of these guys. It's been 20 years since you know they played, and anyone mentioned their band to them. And sometimes I think they people think I'm taking the piss, and I'm like, oh, I want to interview you for a book. And they're like, yeah, whatever.
3: <laughs>
1: um, but, you know, sort of six emails later, you'd think they were like, oh, actually, this guy ain't going to leave us alone until we do this interview. But there were still people I couldn't get hold of. Um, but I think my biggest regret, well, one of my biggest regrets, is that the, the Welsh chapter is a little bit skinny. Um, and there were a few bands I wanted to get, like Betrayer and... Judgment. There was even a band called Wild Pussy from Cardiff.
4: Fucking um, hell, I remember them.
1: Yeah, so I, you know, I can't remember what that album was called, something like a, the metal apocalypse or so I can't remember, but um, but yeah, you know, I was chasing all those guys and like I said, I mean one of the bands I couldn't get hold of was Tallion from up in the northeast somewhere. Yeah, and I remember
0: Talion, yeah.
1: Yeah, they, they got back to me literally the day the book came out a box of books landed at home for me and I got an email from Tally and saying, Hey, you've been trying to get hold of her. I'm like, Yeah, a bit late now. Um, uh, so you know, so yeah, I mean you could just let the project roll on and on and on and, you know, um but for for Cherry Red's point of view, you know, to get to to let the distributors know when it's hitting the shops and the pre sales and all that sort of crap that goes on in the background, you gotta you've got to set some some deadlines. So that yeah, yeah. to answer your question, yeah, there were a few bands I wanted to put in there, but I couldn't, but, you know, Quite the, end f- of the Apples, I think, not
0: Quite a few, by the sounds of it. I mean, that's, that's, and that's just the ones you can remember.
1: Off the, Yeah, off the top of my head, if I sat down and thought about it, there's probably a few more.
0: And, um, so when you, um, when you kind of did the handover process, um, it was so. Did you, you you just started? You just started writing from scratch. You didn't actually bother with anything. Um, uh, you know, you, you didn't hold over any interviews or anything like that.
1: No, no, I didn't. Um, I, I mean, I suppose, I suppose the temptation was there to say, "Oh look, I've already got a third of a book, and I just build on it." But I suppose I had the format set from the first four books, and if you if you look at any of those sort of books before and compared to the thrash book you'll see it's very much a continuation of style and format um, you know sort of each band with an individual section dedicated to themselves split up geographically um, so there's no sort of narrative that runs from start to finish you can you can put, leave it next to your toilet and just read about a, a bit of different band every time you sit down sort of thing um, whereas I think Greg had possibly done it um more ambitiously probably i think he had chapters on themes um yeah you know so so there were lots he was covering lots of different bands uh, in each chapter um you know talking about a specific theme i don't know supporting american bands you know or something like that might be a chapter um and I, i you know i wanted to make it you know my book so the first thing i did was change the title um and and then basically started from scratch but i'm very grateful to him for sort of you know giving me the opportunity to do it and also for handing over all that research because he, he gave me like you know sort of memory sticks full of flyers and it was great pouring over all that stuff and some of the stuff he did send me um i read before i did my own interviews so it helped you know,
0: put put a bit of background in in place and and prompt a few questions, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it. Well, it, it ultimately, it's um. I, I think it's really cool that he sort of handed it over, but it's also cool that you kind of just sort of rather than just going right, well, fuck this, I'm I'm going to write this book if he's not. That you know, it is kind of it, you know, it it's it's not treading on anyone's toes. It must have been really tempting to just go, oh, I really want to do this book and start it anyway.
1: We could have just I. Could have thought right. I'm going to turn this around quicker than me to turn this round, and let's see who who gets that first sort of thing. <laughs> um, but you know, we both we both sort of like to terrorize, uh, and We you know we, we you've got to, you know everybody's got a lot of respect for each other in in the scene, hasn't I mean, they? And it would have been kind of counterproductive for both books if they both came out at the same time as well. You know.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, so I was more than willing. I just wanted to read the book to be honest. So I was really looking forward to his book. Um, and you know i kept messaging him saying when's it coming out when's it coming out you know and and a bit like the first book i wrote um i kind of wrote the book that i wanted on my own shelf you know um and and i think that's the best reason to do a book you know let's just write the book that i would want to read and hopefully everybody else will be into it as well um so that's kind of what i did
0: um, no, I'm glad you, and I'll tell you what one thing that did give me a chuckle I'm glad I remember this was the um, was the chapter on Drunken State uh, oh yes another, another band who not only supported us but went down to Harrogate where we recorded our albums and, and worked with Uncle Bastard as well um, and um, uh, and yeah their singer their singer nearly kill, killing himself because he tried he tried doing what I'd done at the time trying
1: ven- to emulate you yeah yeah <laughs>
0: That's great.
1: Yeah, I just—I mean, it just—I think it shows that you know, acid rain really ingrained themselves in the sort of subconscious, sort of subconsciousness of the scene. You know what I
0: mean. <laughs> that's that's very um, kind of you. For those of yeah, you, for those of you listening, yeah. the, the the story is that the singer from uh, Drunken State um, saw us previous week, and I—I um, I remember it. I was climbing up. I was climbing onto um the boxes in the venue where people had sit to watch i was climbing up around them at the side of the stage and um and their singer decided to try it when they played there the following week and uh, and came it clashing down into the fucking guitars dear me <laughs> and um, i
1: mean that i think the guy that was telling that story was that their sort of um would be manager well that he was their manager you know um Quite a few people back then had their mates as managers and stuff, didn't they? But yes. their, their manager saw off Onslaught a couple of weeks after that because I think they came up and played with Drunken State supporting them. And um, he, he had his eye on the thing. I thought, well, oh, perhaps he will make a good um, you know, replacement. I think probably Steve Cromit had, had just left or something and they were looking for a new vocalist. And then uh, the Scottish manager saw him off and threatened to throw him down the stairs of the venue if he went anywhere near the other
0: thing. But that's fucking brilliant that's brilliant well I, I yeah i i've i've never been in danger of being uh, of being poached from a band i think i've I think i think there's too much um i think there's too much uh, i bring too much baggage with me <laughs> As, uh, no yeah, well, no band can stand me that's, that's why I have to do this one even after twenty five years came back still don't wanna love me um, yeah
1: one of my friends was saying, "I only ever go out with older girls, and no one nicks them off me." <laughs> oh, well, okay, well, yeah, that, that,
0: that yeah, that that I've 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 heard that as a uh, as a strategy. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't doesn't work for me, and that's why I've been single ever since. <laughs> um, and and I, I tell you what, as well, I just whilst we're talking about whilst whilst I am talking about me. <laughs> Uh, you did. Um, you did it. You had a poster of the UK Thrash, the full Thrash Assault tenth anniversary show, with oh, yeah. it was Hospital of Death reunion, uh, reuniting, yeah, uh, yes. And created, and um, and and me as my comedy character Keith Platt was going to be on there as well, because uh, that never went ahead. It got pulled. Ah,
1: right. Well, okay. Because and, and I didn't. I, I didn't twig that you. I didn't even spot you on that poster. I don't think it. it I go and revisit that one. I can remember the hospital, the death
0: one, and the full flash assault. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, well, it's, it's on that poster, because I'm there as uh, Keith Platt, because he did a little logo for me with a flat cap on the end of the T on Platt. Oh,
1: brilliant.
0: <laughs> I know, it was lovely, and we got it all sorted. It was the day before my birthday. I was like, lovely, go up to Wakefield. I live in, you know, I'm from Yorkshire. I can go home, have my birthday, all the rest of it in it and it got pulled. But um, he's just announced another one, I think.
1: I saw that, yeah, twenty nineteen. Fast yeah. returns.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Um I and I perhaps,
1: you know, perhaps somewhere deep down the book coming out helped influence that because um I found, you know, when I've done the punk books for example, some of those bands they start talking to each other again when the book comes out, you know, the yes. ex band members. Yeah. And then they have a jam for old time's sake and next thing you know they're playing Playing out again, yeah. And um, you know, you the book can sort of indirectly kickstart loads of loads of good stuff, and I hope it does.
0: And it was uh, the thing is, it's one of those things where none of them would have thought to have contacted anybody else that used to be in the band because it's done. And then when they do interviews and stuff like that, and they hear about it, it's, and then they they suddenly realise that actually there is no reason. It's not that they're not talking anymore. It's just that they haven't been in touch. Yeah. And that all of the old, all of the old kind of bullshit that the, that was around is just, it, it doesn't exist anymore. And that, you know, yeah. their lives have moved on and they're completely different people. And then all of a sudden it's, why don't we have a fucking laugh? Yeah,
1: it, it's true because I mean, in, in the sort of uh, fog of war as it were, you know, back when you're younger and, you know, it can be a really stressful thing being in a band especially if you live in each other's pockets and you know um, it's like being in an intense relationship with like four or five people all at once and then years later when you know when you can be a bit more philosophical about it like you said you know in the grand scheme of things none of it really matters so why don't we just play some songs and enjoy ourselves
0: yeah exactly and that and, and you know speaking from my standpoint where I am with the band it's um I'm enjoying it a lot more second time around. Um, well
1: I love, I love it that it's a reboot not a reunion. I, I really I was quite impressed with that logic.
0: <laughs> that's um that that's spending uh, spending years in sales that is. Um Yeah yeah. But but also but I did, I I just had the idea one day and just thought cuz you know it, it it was at a time where well we're still in that time where a lot of tired old franchises are being rebooted. And I just thought it's it's just the, the perfect it's the perfect phrase really. Um yeah, yeah. and also I, I say this a lot, but you can't knock honesty. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. people get people get in trouble when they try and avoid the question, or they try and bend the truth, or they try and change the story to a way it suits them and they come out best. All you can do is just be is just be honest. You know, our opening press release just said this is a reboot, not a reformation, tried to reform the band, it didn't work. So if you want to hear these songs again, it's this or nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's right. and, then, and there it is. And so if you're still interested, keep reading. And if you're not, jog on.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then no one can accuse you of, you know, luring them into the venue under false pretense that they were gonna see the original lineup or the obnoxious lineup or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. And funnily enough, you know, well like I said, you know, gave it our best, tried to do it, but it, it didn't come off. But um, somebody did say to me, um, you know, oh, uh, uh, I, I, think, I think it's, I, I don't think it's very good that you're going around, you know, playing, playing Acid Rain songs, it's, it's not Acid Rain. And it's like, you know, you shouldn't be calling it Acid Rain. I was like, well, okay, wouldn't it be weirder if we had a whole set full of Acid Rain songs and we weren't called Acid Rain? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, like trying to come up with some shit tribute band name. Like you yeah, know A R U K Yeah Acid Raining. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, fucking not a chance. You know, H, Acidic rain. Yeah. H and the Rainettes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as as, I, as H I's acid rain. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's just like nah, and but funnily enough, you know, I was I was just really presently surprised the way everybody just went, Cool. That was it. You know, yeah, no wouldn't. backlash.
1: I've had well, a, a similar thing with, with i, I play played with Warwound at the moment, and the only original member is Damien, um, who was originally the bassist in Warwound. He's now the guitarist. Um, but he's you know he's rebooted Warwound, can I say, with an all-new lineup? <laughs> but he, he contacted all the other guys, but a lot of those guys hadn't played, you know, and they hadn't kept their chops up and stuff for like 20, 30 years, and um, He's obviously played with other musicians since, who so he's become more comfortable with, you know, so he rebooted the concept. Um, but you still get people coming up saying, oh, you're just a covers band. And we're like, well, hang on a sec. Covers band plays songs by, you know, play songs written by other people. Damien wrote every single song in our set. Well, are all, you know, the old songs from back then. Damien wrote every single song. You know, we could have called ourselves the Damien Thompson Review. Um, you know, played a, an assortment of songs from his back catalogue, you know, but warring trips off the tongue. And yeah, but people just get precious about this stuff for, for no reason. You know, just think of it as, you know, if you'd like the new album, great, go and buy it. If you don't, just, just go away, Moon. That's someone who cares about it, really.
3: Yeah,
0: and, and the the thing is, it, it's, yeah, you're always, you're always going to get smart asses coming up saying, oh, you're just a covers band or whatever. But ultimately, well, what are you fucking doing here? Mm, you know, yeah. no, no, no one threw you in the venue. No, no, it's... Um,
1: I mean, I've even had people come out saying, you played that song too fast. I said, hang on a minute, this is a punk kick. Did you just say we played it
0: too fast? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Bloody kids are <for> today. <laughs> we, we'd... Um, uh, uh, we... Uh, we had somebody on our Facebook page the other day who's clearly a troll. It's a made up. It's a made up profile. I have. I haven't banned him though because um, being nice to trolls really winds them up. Um, and, uh, and and he was like, you know, oh, the, yeah, no. The, and you can always tell a troll as well because trolls always start with. Um, There's a lot of people on here, and you think, all oh, right. As soon as someone starts. With the uh, assumption that they're speaking for a load of other people to try and give their opinion more weight, you know what's coming is bullshit. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, you play you play the new stuff to you play the songs too fast, um, uh, and uh, I thought I'm I'm gonna we don't, but I'm just gonna leave that. Next time I was on our page, I saw Pete had posted had posted a clip. Of uh of goddess by us back in the day from like the hippodrome or something, and then a clip of us playing it now, and we were playing it slower. You know, because 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 we're not nineteen-year-old kids. We might play stuff fast, but we don't play anywhere near faster than the original lineup. No,
1: I know it's uh, well. I mean, you, you, yeah, you should have put a click against it to prove his point,
0: but yeah, exactly. Well, I, like I said, I just, I, I just fucking, I love, I love things like that. I love, I love people coming up because the thing is, it, it keeps you on your toes rather than people just coming up and giving you praise all the time and all the rest of it. I think it's quite nice sometimes to, come to somebody come up with, you know, something a bit more objective, something uh, that doesn't necessarily toe the line, you know, and, and, and makes you think about things. Because sometimes, I, you know, sometimes somebody will say something and you think, actually, that's an interesting point of view. There might, you know, there might be something in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it, it's true. I mean, it's you know, I think any criticism, you know, that's vaguely constructive, can be welcomed. It's just the, it's just them, you know moaning for moaning's sake. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, really got time. I haven't really got time for
0: this. Well, like you say, like an axe to grind, but also you lot, you know, like 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 us lot have gone on to, you know, put new stuff out.
1: Yes, I think and- that's. I think that's. It's important, isn't it, you know, and like I've always said, you know, with, with um, you know, the sort of Cro-Mags are still out there playing and Dead Kennedys are still out there playing and, you know, there can be all this debate about, you know, are Dead Kennedys better with jell or without, obviously they're better with jell Um But if, you know, if the new band without him recorded some new material, you would sort of respect that and think, right, yeah. OK, they're still creative, they've still yeah. got something they want to say. Whereas Jello's pumping stuff out every year with, you know, Guantanamo School Medicine and, you yeah. know, millions of cameos and guest projects he does and stuff. Yeah. He's still creative. He's still got an opinion. And he's still putting it out there. Um, that's what they need to do. And need step up to the plate and show us what they're made of, really, because you're only as good as your last record, aren't
0: you? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, and that's why, you know, that's what I... The, the that's why we came back. You know, we put a new song out, and then and then went out for the first time ever, um, because the idea was that um, there's no future in play in just playing these songs. There's only so you know. There's only so many times. There's only so many ways we can rearrange the set. You know, um, and I pretty much think we've we've got the pick of the songs from the from the back catalogue right that we play. And there's, you know, don't get, really don't get people up coming, coming up and saying, oh, you know, would you play Phantasm of Obnoxious or would you play, you know, we never since we added Thoughtful Sleep to the set, we've never had anybody coming up saying, um, you know, oh, would you play this or oh, would you play that? Um, but I think it's, it, like I said, it, you, there's no future in the past. You've got to, you've got to, re, you've got to create something to keep going. Yeah, no, I
1: think, you know. Well, I, th- I think you know. I think audiences as well. You know, you've got to give them credit. You, I mean, everybody will pay for a, a nostalgic, you know, re- trip in memory lane, but they won't keep coming back for it, will they? You know, you've, no. you've got to take them on a new journey as well.
0: No. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the boys in Centrix won't mind me saying this. That's what happened when in 2015 when we went over to Ireland. It was, you know, I think it was their fourth or fifth time in Ireland. Um, and it was about Shrapnel's third time in Ireland in the space of a short time, and you know, yeah. people just voted with their feet, um, and you know the venues with, that should have been rammed were kind of half full instead. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, and, and especially now as well with the live scene, because there's just so many bands, there's so much um, live music to go and see that it's just fucking ridiculous. Um, no, it's,
1: and it's so expensive as well, some of these shows, aren't they? So people, they don't have bottomless pockets, do they? They can't go to every single gig.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's the, that's, that is kind of the, the, you know, your your mentality has to be, you've got to get, you know, you've got to time, you get, you've got to time your date's right and what parts of the country and all the rest of it. Um uh you know and you always get people saying oh you know you're gonna you're gonna play here or you're gonna play there and it's like look well we you know we're, we're not metallica we don't sit there and chew and, and tick the play the, the towns and cities we're going to play you know our our agent puts puts out that we're on tour sends it to every fucking metal promoter in the uk and we go and play the places that make us that that, that make us the necessary offer you know yeah, yeah. it's like you know people screaming at me to play birmingham well Tell the fucking Birmingham promoters to offer us more than the pittance to play then. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think and there's there's, um, there's a lot of mileage in doing it that way because you'll go into the places, but if they're prepared to pay you the guarantee, that means they're confident they're going to get the people through the door. Exactly. Or they're going to do the work to get the people through the door. Um. So, yeah, why wouldn't you go to them? Why would you force yourself on someone who went that bother you we play or not just because you've had one... You know, email saying
0: no one can play yeah. Well, look, I've, I've I've actually caved to pressure and ab- and you know, I won't say where, but for- forced a gig through, um inner city. Um, it, was, I mean, it was a decent decent offer, don't get me wrong, but it pushed it pushed pushed it through. Uh, the venue didn't have us on their their vent, you know, the 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 gig list. Our posters weren't up in the venue. They did. They put out one tweet, and it was on the morning of the fucking gig. You know, and it was just like that is worse than doing nothing. That is like leaving fifty p as a tip in a restaurant. Do you know what I mean? It's just like don't fucking yeah. either tip or fucking don't. You know, <laughs> you know, either tweet or don't. But don't be doing one on the morning of the gig. But um, how are you enjoying? Yeah. How are you enjoying the, the war wound thing? Love it. Yeah,
1: really enjoy it. It's, um, I, you know, we're kind of. Well, what we said earlier, you know, we're doing it to, for you know for our own pleasure. Um, so where we'll go and play places that we want to play, or we'll play gigs because it's with a band we want to see. Um, you know, we don't want to, I don't know, Rolling or Duck or whatever on a Wednesday night. You know, and the only advertised billboard outside the venue. So, yeah. oh, you there? Can you still hear me? Mean, I might have muted you by accident.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. By accident. Yeah. Um, poxy, poxy, poxy phone? <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't be the. You wouldn't be the first person to mute me. Um,
1: mute you by accident. Oh dear. <laughs> um, but no, you know, it, You know, I'm really pleased with that laugh You know, with the album we did. Um, you know, we wrote it really quickly. And and recorded it while the songs were still really fresh. I mean, we're still learning them, so you know there's that urgency in the performances and stuff. That you you basically you're going to fuck it up if you don't play it as hard and fast as you can. Um, And yeah, you know we're we're going to record another album next year, but before then we're going back to America. We just had an offer to go to Australia and New Zealand, and you know so we're going to go and do that as well. Oh, that's awesome. Wow you know, those, those sort of gigs we'll go and do if we can cover our costs you know we' if we can go cover our costs and spend you know two weeks in Australia and New Zealand and come back without you know spending a fortune we we'd go and do that um, you know same same in the states really and stuff like that so yeah just just go and play places that we want to play you
0: know. Wow. i um, i'd look i'd I'd do that at the tr- at the drop of a fucking hat mate. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not a done deal yet. You know, it's never
1: a done deal until yeah, the,
0: the yeah. tickets come through. Uh, South um, South America is the one you've got to watch, though, isn't it? Because it's like every fucking promoter in the world in South America is, is, is corrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know,
1: it's, it's like, yeah, we'll get your gig in, in, in Colombia, but you know, you need to put these, these uh, policy bags up your backside when you go home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah I've heard all sorts of horror stories about that. But um so um I, I, were you get get we've wandered off the subject slightly um but yeah, sorry, um, sorry. no, no uh, going back to contracting blood. Did you um did you approach Cherry Red or is that is, I, you know, forgive my ignorance but is that is that the uh, you know the 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 publisher that you've done all the other books for? Yeah no
1: that they're the people I did everything with so far um and I mean every time I do a book, I've got to approach them and sell it to them, you know, with a synopsis and a sample chapter, just like a new author, I suppose.
0: Oh, you put me on mute again, eh? Hey, accidentally. So they they haven't got those little dates in the back of Hang on, of mine, hang on but... mate. You're going to have to start again because it all went dead then. Oh, did it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I mean, they did my first four books and uh so they've got a you know we've got a relationship, and they've got confidence in me um they impress me they always impress me in that they're prepared to spend the money and put out a big book rather than scrimp and save and put out a smaller book they they're coming at it from the same angle as me let's let's do it right, let's make it look nice, you know make it a definitive document so that, you know I went to an American publisher with one of my my punk books, and they said, yeah, it's great, we'll do it, but we want more pictures and less words. You
0: know,
1: Cherry read the complete opposite, you
0: know, so... Well, I think you've just described the difference between the UK and America there.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, read into that what like you will, but yeah. Um,
0: yeah, don't worry, don't worry, yeah, I, don't I'm the one who's going, to, who's, going to make, who's going to manage to turn what you just said into a racist statement. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, remember, I remember someone saying to me, "Oh, yeah, your books been translated into Czech, Italian, French, and American." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was, but I mean, I, I did eventually find a really good, underground, committed publisher over there who licensed the books, the first two punk books over there in their entirety, and they actually put extra content in as well. So he wanted more words, so that was quite good. But,
0: oh, that's insane! Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, but um, but Cherry Red, you know, they, I didn't have to say to them, you know, at least say new words coming from, so you know they know I can sort of string a couple of words together and I'm going to deliver it on time. Um, but I still sent them the synopsis and you know a sample chapter. I still have to sell it them. I don't have a contract for like six books for Cherry Red. Yeah, it's one it's one book at a time. Um, so you know they've obviously got the option to. To, to walk away from me if I come up with this some insane idea or, or or you know one of the books completely stiff
0: and the loads of money. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, but then at the end of the day, that's uh, that's no different to um, to a label signing a band, is it? You know, it's it's they they sign it in the confidence that it's gonna that it's gonna sell that they know their marketplace.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and and, and all the and you know, the only things in the you know. The, the contract isn't a big scary contract, but it's it's just it's what you'd expect it to be. You it's know, it's you not it's a
0: not a con- it's not a contract in blood then. No, I didn't find it in blood. <laughs> enough, I am thought
1: the, the book, weirdly enough, was going to be called yeah. originally "Let There Be Death." I don't know why, and I thought we can't call a thrash metal book "Let There Be Death" because people think it's a death metal book. That's like putting Venom in a thrash metal book, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, but it was, it was a working, it was a working title. And Contracting Blood just came, came about, cause it's not even like, you know, even close to being one of my favorite Onslaught songs. It's probably the worst song on the force. It's just that the title for me, um, it summed up the way that, you know, all these big labels were shafted in these sort of naive, um, green around the gills sort of bands, you know, who were really eager to sign the deal you know, or, you know, sign into a big label, you know, why wouldn't you? And then they realised that, you know, they were just going to get dropped within six months because they weren't selling, you know, they weren't platinum selling records.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that rings a bell. Um,
1: yeah. We... It, it was a recurring theme and that's when I thought, you know what, this title works for me. It, you know, it's got those sort of satanic overtones, it's the name of an sort sort song, but, you know, all these... So many bands got shafted by their labels, which isn't a
0: new thing. No, not at all. Instead, now in the music business, you can shaft yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: You, can, you can lose a shitload of your own money instead of somebody else's. I preferred yeah. I preferred losing a shitload of somebody else's, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I think
1: it's very liberating, you know.
0: Oh when it's, we wouldish your own careers yeah we walked away we walked away from uh, from music for nations and um I remember Jem one day telling me uh, he rang me up to tell me how much money they were down on on acid rain um and I can't remember exactly, but it was somewhere somewhere in the region of about seventy five grand
1: wow and
0: and that was in nineteen ninety one
1: so was a lot of money yeah
0: you know. So uh, it's, it's it's always interesting to look at it from the other, you know, it's always like, it's always a successful band being ripped off, um, oh, it's a tragedy, or bands not getting paid royalties, and it's like, well, if you signed a contract where it says that you don't get paid royalties, you're a fucking idiot. Um, mm. But then, of course, there is also labels that are just run by crooks. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: talking of which, I mean, I ran my own label, I'm not saying my label <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, so yeah, you, I mean, you
0: were ripped off a lot of bands in your time, were you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, was, I, I always made sure that, they, that the royalty checks went out, and I was always very transparent with the accounting. So, it wasn't, you know, if, if I didn't have a receipt for it, I, it wasn't recoupable, if you know what I mean. Absolutely,
0: so, absolutely, yeah. You know.
1: Um, and, and it was, it was very upfront and I would, you know, we pay for, I'd pay for the recording and I'd give them, you know, a box of however many CDs we'd agreed under the 200 CDs, they'd go and sell them. And then as soon as it broke even, I'd split whatever we made 50-50, but I'd say to the band, look, you know, I can send you, you know, 300 quid if you want, or shall we take out a full page ad in, you know. Korang once we, we did that and what a waste of time that was a full page ad for knuckle dusting Koran, talk about misreading the market but, brilliant you, know, yes. you, you give him the offer and sort of say to him, you know should we spend it on that or you know um, so it was very it was it was you know it was a handshake agreement really it was very very punk and honourable and sort of DIY I tried to treat the bands the way I would want it to have been treated by a label myself
0: yeah, of course. We, um, and um, so, any any sign of bringing your old back, your old band back?
1: Well stamping ground? Yeah. No, I think so. I think that I think that ship sailed. I mean, um, especially when you you know I watch videos of you know videos of us playing. Um, it was such a physical live show. I mean, we used to really bring it. You know the way. You know bands like Sick of It All and Madball do. You know, one hundred percent energy for for forty five minutes. so You know, I think we'd need a defibrillator at the side of the stage or something if we tried to do it now. Um, and I I I'd, I'd prefer people to remember us like that yeah. rather than, than than sort of not selling it. I'm sure we could play the stuff as well as we ever did, but it wasn't just about the music. You know, it was about that yeah. sort of disarray connection with
0: the crowd oh mate i yeah. i you, you no need to tell me about that i mean i you know like i said in the book I, we we hosted part we didn't do gigs we hosted parties i mean um uh, it's bit. i've been amazed um the the things that um people have you know people have come up and said to me about uh, about gigs of hours in the past about you know uh, people who who um have met up and ended up getting married and having kids. And they, you know, that's, they, they met at acid rain shows, you know, and that's, that's how they met. They all, you know, this big foursome all copped off with each other. Um, yeah. Oh no, that was it. Yeah. I was, I was walking through the crowd in Manchester and I was trying to get to the back to see some friends and this bloke, me said, Oh H, have you got a minute? I was like, look, I'm really sorry, mate. I'm trying to get to see my friends. He goes, I'm just trying to, Oh, I just wanted to tell you why you're responsible for three marriages and six kids. And I was like, oh, I doing your tracks. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've got a minute for you, definitely. And it was um, three lads and three girls who met at an acid rain show. They all copped off with each other, didn't swap numbers or anything. And then um, uh, the next time we played that venue, they all went again. They all copped off. They all stayed in touch this time. They all ended up getting married and they all ended up having children. And, uh, and, and you uh-huh. just think, Wow. You know,
1: and that's a great legacy. That's better than you know releasing three albums or something, isn't it? You know, you're having that sort of impact on on people's lives.
0: Oh, I'll I'll take being the first album. You know, being the album that got them into metal. You know, people say that. Like, oh, you know, Moskvinstein was the album that got me into thrash or the Fear or stuff like that. Or my the first ever live band I saw was Acid Rain, and I, for me that just blows me away because. You know, I, you know, my, you know, my first, the, the album that got me into metal was uh, Black Sabbath's Greatest Hits. My first live gig was, you know, Marillion. Um, and I just think, wow, you know, I'm there Sabbath or I'm there Marillion. That's fucking awesome. That's- yeah,
1: because you you have, you know, there are watershed moments in your life, aren't they? And, and you, you know, your first album that you buy for yourself rather than your parents buying it for you or your first gig or, you know, it, they're important moments, and, and they stick with
0: people. It's funny you should say that, because the other day I realised that the first record I ever owned was when uh, my parents said to me and my sister, you can have you can have one, we'll buy you a single out of the charts. You know, what, right. would, you, what would you like? Um, and I can't remember what my sister bought, but I got Blondie, Heart of Glass. Um, and who would have thought all those years later that we'd end up doing a Blondie cover version?
1: Yeah, there you go, yeah, no, that's right. Absolutely. I can't remember what my first one was. I I can definitely remember owning a terrible comedy record called King of the Cops. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, but then I think, you know, the first record I actually went out and consciously bought, which was, like, cool, if you know what I mean. It felt like I was... Doing something secretive was it was probably like war dance by Killing Jokes so you know, early 1980s. Oh,
3: fucking hell.
0: Um, You've got some cred there, mate.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Um, and, and and Adam and the Ants. I was really into early Adam and the Ants. Oh, God.
0: So... I've, got, I've got an Adam and the Ants story for you. Can't tell it on here. On, so, I t- so I'll tell you what. Let's, oh, okay. let's wrap this up and I'll tell you the other story as well.
1: Um, yes, yeah, I want to hear these stories. I want to hear
0: about Tony and Denham as well. Yeah, right. Okay, Ian. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. Really no, good. no worries, really
0: and, good and and uh, I'll make sure there's plenty of contracting blood uh, mentions and, uh, and and pushes on the uh, on the podcast in the future. But thank you very much. It's on, and thank you from from everybody listening as well because it's such a fucking achievement to actually document this as a book. Really is yeah it's 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 humbling as somebody who's in it it's humbling as a fan of thrash it's just a fucking awesome read and it's just a great thing to have and you know i i just think the yeah, i know the amount of work that goes into this kind of thing and it's just well you know pr- prime uh, prime example is that um somebody you know somebody was already do- going to do the book and um uh and didn't finish it so yeah. well done thank you so much
1: Thank you, thanks everyone for buying it. checking it out and all the messages of support I've had along the way, you know because you do hit a wall when you're writing a book and, and you know and a couple of emails saying, "Oh, I can't wait. you've got to finish it, you know site to see it." you know that sometimes that's that's the little push you need to get you your the
0: finishing line. Oh, that's really cool and um uh where and where can people um where can people uh connect with you twitter facebook where, where's the best places?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they sort of PM me on Facebook, um, you know, I get back to
0: everyone I hear from. Cool. All right, well, look, um, thanks once again. Stay where you are and we'll have a chat and chat we did. So um, now it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're coming to the end. Um, well, it, it is the end, basically. I haven't really got much to add. Um, it was really good of Ian to come on. We had a right old uh, catch up there, as you can hear. And then we uh, uh, we, we swapped stories that are not befitting um, uh, a, a podcast because they are private conversations and private revelations um, about people whose names we should not be mentioning on the podcast. So um, they had that I made that sound way more mysterious than it is, but there you go. Um, so, as always, if you see me in person, ask me, I'll tell you. Um, and I'm going to finish off with some music. Um, there is a five CD box set. I've only I've only uh, picked three songs and um, uh, I've kind of picked them for various reasons. Uh, the first song is by Scimitar from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Uh, shout out to Ryan Atkin, the drummer who um, uh, who I know. Um, then it is time to stop by Drunken State, who uh, we played with uh, back in the day. They supported us at the Bruce Hotel in, and I I can't remember where the Bruce Hotel was, but it was somewhere in Scotland. And then finally. Yeah, you guessed it, folks. It's Tenement Zone by Slammer. So, uh, so we've got we've got you know Northern Ireland, Scotland, England represented there. Sorry, Wales. Maybe I'll get round to you another time. Um, but the three songs you're going to hear in this order are, um, uh, as we said, flicking through. Uh, the the, f- <laughs> the first song is Cursed City uh, by Scimitar. The second song is Time to Stop by Drunken State, and the third song is Tenement Zone by Slammer. uh, And Scimitar, that's spelled S C I M I T A R, find them on Facebook. Drunken State, I think there's a Facebook page. Slammer, I think there's some Please Come Back to, Please Get Back Together (laughs) sites for Slammer. Um, So, yeah, finishing off with uh, three tunes uh, for a bit bit, of music for you guys. And um, for those of you who haven't heard UK Thrash before, I don't know why you'd spend all your time listening to this if you hadn't, but hey, you know, if you haven't, then now's your chance to actually listen to some without having to go anywhere else. So as always, um, it's a pleasure having you all here. Um, one last final mention: this will go up at least a week before everybody else hears it uh, on my on the Patreon page. My Patreon page is Patreon.com/forward/slash Howard H. Smith. That's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com com forward/slash Howard H. Smith. You get uh, you get all the content first. You also get tons of bonus content. You also get to send me questions, and I'll and I'll um, <clears throat> Excuse me, and and they will get and they will get asked to all subscribers. So you know, um, uh, the Pat- Patreon guys got to ask all questions to Max Cavallera um, uh, at the end of last year and get their own little uh, uh, bolo cast. So if you're into that, it's five dollars a month, about three pound eighteen real money, less than a couple of coffees, so and less than a pint of beer if you live pretty much in the UK. So anyway, guys. Um, It's always a pleasure, it's never a chore, Um, and I shall leave you in the capable, capable hands of Scimitar, Drunken State and Slammer.
2: I it loving? Is it loving? You're dead.